It's a new day. You wake up with the hope it's gonna be great. Yesterday is gone. Today, you get to start fresh. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you can hear the breeze blowing through the trees outside of your home. Your home, your sanctuary. You know, the place where you should feel safe and should be able to relax. You know, where you share with your family. And speaking of family, they're already awake. And it sounds like they're watching their favorite show for the 11th time. And as they watch their show, they jump up and down with excitement. Their faces smiling because they too have just started a new day. And they have the energy for it. They don't even have to wait for you anymore to wake up because they are old enough to turn on the TV by themselves. <laughs> wait, is that something sharp in their hand? Wait, did they just scratch your new flat screen TV? But you can't deal with that right now because you have to go to work. And it's your first day at your new job. And things don't go exactly how you planned. Ah! Then as you're leaving, somebody doesn't watch where they are going. Ah, you just want to get home already. Yes, home where your wife is cooking your favorite meal. Which you can't eat because you decided to go on a diet for the new year. Life is full of conflicts. The world is full of conflicts. And sometimes the world seems hopeless. But God so loved the world that he gave hope for the home. I'm so glad that he did because our day can start off so good. And then all of a sudden things come our way that we have no control of. And then by the end of the day, we just want to come home to a relaxful, peaceful, non-violent environment. But what happens when there is no hope in the home? What happens when our home is not the place that we would want it to be, where you're actually coming home hoping that things are different, hoping that, okay, life should be different, hoping that so-and-so is not in a bad mood or the children are done with what they need to do. Or by the time we come home, sometimes it's late and so it's already dark and you still have a lot of work to accomplish. I mean, I, I wonder if God is looking at us and saying, I really want you to enjoy your home more than any other place you are in the day. For some of us, we look forward to going to work. We want to go to work. It's like, honey, I'll see you later. Take care with the kids. I'll see you later. I got to go to work. It's really hard, which it is. But for some of us, it's like a break from our home. But God is saying, no, home should be the sanctuary. Home should be the place where you're relaxing. So I think all of us, we have the possibility to find hope in our home. We're actually going to look at a couple things today, uh, uh, a portion of scripture found in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Matthew. I'll still read it to us if you don't have your Bible. I'll look in Matthew 26 and John chapter 12, and you can turn there and, and get ready for that. You know, the, the seasons that we go through, especially at home, uh, they go up and down. You know, our children are back in school. College is starting. So we go through those seasons, and, and when we go through those seasons, it, it kind of gives us a, a clearer picture of where we are in life. However... If we continue the same thing year after year, day after day, it's almost like we come to a place of, is this what life looks like? Now you turn on the news, open the newspaper, you read a lot of things that aren't going so well. Things happening in our own community that, that are tragic. And you wonder, is there hope anymore in this world? Like what, what hope do we have? And sometimes we catch glimpses of hope here and there. But Jesus came to let us know that there is hope. There is hope far beyond the grave, hope far beyond what the world can offer because Jesus offers a hope that is alive. It's not a dead hope. It's a alive. It's an alive kind of hope. And everyone wants hope, but not everyone can find it. We search everywhere for hope, but hope is not found in a place. Hope is not found in a position. Hope is not found in a promise or in our potential. Hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Sometimes we search all over the place, but we can find hope, and it's found in the Lord. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, there's a story about a woman 
And some of us have, have read this story before. Or if you do your devotions, we go through this every year. By the way, uh, some of us have made that commitment this year to go through the entire Bible uh, this year. So stay strong, even if you miss a couple of days. And once we're done with the year, we start again, read the entire Bible again. And year after year, we go through the Bible together. And it helps us to stay on the same page. So we have our bookmarkers at our information center that you can pick up. And if you need help with uh, reading the Bible and journaling, ask one of the pastors or staff. And we'll be able to help you or go to our website and uh, you'll learn, we'll learn together how we can read the Bible. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, it says, When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. But me, you do not have always. For pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So here you have this woman and she comes to Jesus and of course she anoints him with the oil. And anointing is really, that word anointing means to smear. So she smears this oil and it's a sign of saying God's hand be upon you. The blessings of God, the spirit of God. It was a practice that they would do that had to do with setting someone apart for the use of God, or they would anoint utensils and things that were used for God. So what this woman was doing is a good work for preparing Jesus to be used by God as he was going to the cross to die for the sins of the world for you and I. So she's doing this thing, and Jesus addresses this. And it's, it's almost like hope shows up for everyone. Because hope is in the room. Because he's, it's Jesus. Jesus is hope. But they couldn't see the big picture in, in what Jesus was actually doing. Because as he's explaining to them what he's about to do, no one has heard of that. No one has heard of someone who is going to lay down their life for sinners. It was unheard of. Like, why would you do that? But they, were, they would sacrifice animals for the sins of the people. Jesus was saying, I am going to be the final sacrifice. For every single person in the world that has ever lived and will live in the future. And this is over 2,000 years ago. So as they're watching this, they're, they're just in awe of this man in what he's about to do. So there's a little more hope for them, a little bit more, because of who Jesus is and who he represents in being the Son of God. Now in the book of John, chapter 12, John gives a little bit more detail in his gospel, in his letter, in his written form. And he writes in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 1. He writes this, Then six days before the Passover, which was a Jewish holiday, and this, uh, they were celebrating, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he has raised, had raised from the dead. So this man Lazarus, if you read in the book of John, just one chapter over, uh, chapter 11, you're going to read the story of this man who passed away and Jesus brought back to life. So here's this man who understands hope. He understands hope. His family understands hope because he was dead for four days and then Jesus called him back to life. There they made him a supper and Martha, who is Lazarus' sister, served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary, who is also Lazarus' sister, so Mary and Martha and Lazarus' uh, siblings, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. So John gives a little bit more detail than the book of Matthew. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, and he was the disciple that betrayed Jesus, Simon's son, 
who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not, you do not always have. And so Jesus, even addressing what Judas said, that you're always going to have the poor, so you can take care of them. But what she did was prepare me for my burial. It was a good thing. I'm sure Mary heard a lot. She, she heard, you know, okay, you, you're doing this. It's a waste. And I'm, I'm wondering, what else did Mary hear all her life growing up? I wonder what people said to her. Did she lose hope along the way? Did Lazarus lose hope along the way? I'm sure they both did. Mary and Martha lost hope when Lazarus was sick and then he died. I'm sure their hope was kind of diminished. But here comes Jesus. Not only raises Lazarus from the dead, but he also is giving them hope that there's, there's going to be something else that he's about to do that Mary is preparing him for. So now here we are, 2,000 years later, what can we learn from this story? There's also an, another Mary who's mentioned in the Bible who kind of does the same thing. She wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, anoints him, and wipes, wipes his feet with her hair. And she too found hope in Jesus. She is recognized as a sinner, as the Bible says, a sinful woman in the book of Luke chapter 7. And she too realizes that Jesus gives her hope. In fact, while this woman, this other Mary, is wiping the feet of Jesus, one of the Pharisees, one of the religious leaders, says to Jesus, if, well, actually, this Pharisee was kind of saying it to the other people in the household, if he knew who this was, wiping his feet, he wouldn't have let her do this, if he is who he says he is. He wouldn't have let her do this. And Jesus, kind of reading their thoughts, he said, I have a story to tell you. And he, he asked them a question. And they have to answer him. And Jesus says, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. But he who has been forgiven little loves very little. In other words, what he was saying to this Pharisee, as well as addressing this woman, he was saying, she's doing this because she understands how much I love her and how much I've forgiven her. She has found hope. While you, on the other hand, you're complaining because you don't have hope. You're looking for hope in the riches. You're looking for hope in religion. You're looking for hope in something that is tangible, something that you can grasp. If I have more, if I can have a bigger home, if I can get more people to love me, then that's hope because now that's my security. And Jesus was saying, you've lost hope because that's an end in itself. She's found hope because the hope that I offer is alive and well, this, this hope never goes away. It never dies. See, hope in our home, I, I think of it like a, like a nuclear explosion. You know, when, when hope comes to your home, those closest are impacted the most in your home. When hope come to, comes to your home, they're impacted the most. And then thereafter, family members, friends, your workplace. When you have hope in your home, it trickles and impacts every single person thereafter. But when you don't have hope in your home, when all is lost, same thing. It impacts the people closest to you and then those thereafter. And so maybe this morning God wants to bring hope to our home in a way that we can understand and in a way that we actually sense that there is hope. And it's a hope that's alive. Let's, let's make today a, another one of those Lord, I want this to be my commitment to you kind of days. That maybe God would speak something in our lives today that would change us forever. A new future, a new kind of hope. The hope that only God can offer. And it's a hope that is alive. When Heidi and I first moved into our new home about, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, one of the first things we said was, we want to, we want to make sure that Jesus is the center of our home. And so we wanted something to remind us. So Heidi said, why don't you paint like 
what we know Jesus as. You know, we really don't know exactly what he looks like. But she said, why don't you just paint him on this wall? And this is the wall in our home. This is at the center of our home. So she said, just paint him on the wall. Now, when my children saw this, they're like, uh, Dad, just letting you know, when we get up in the morning, like 2 o'clock, to go use bathroom. Spooky, you know. It's like, uh, so I said, he's always watching you. But that's, our, that's the center of our home. And, and every time we see it, it reminds us that Jesus is the center. And now here's my heart to you. Do something that you would recognize as Jesus being the center of your home. It could be anything. It could be putting up a scripture. It could be, it could be uh, something you and your family do. Maybe you pray in a certain area together. Whatever it is, that Jesus would be the center of your home. Start off this year with Jesus being the center of your home. Because that's where hope is going to come from. It's going to come from Jesus Christ. Every single home can have hope by implementing these three powerful actions. Here's the first one. And if you want to write some notes, you can take that out of your bulletin. And here's the first thing. Welcome Jesus into your home. Just welcome him into your home. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He's a gentleman. That's what the book of Revelation says. That, that Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He, he, he waits for us. To invite him in. So welcome Jesus into your home. Because you decide what comes into your home. You're going to decide, am I going to invite hope into our home? Or hopelessness into our home? It's really up to you. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 32. It's it's the story of Mary and Martha, these two sisters. This is now it happened as they went that Jesus, or he, entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone, has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, Mary wasn't welcoming religion into her home. She was welcoming Jesus out of relationship. But the instant Jesus shows up, Martha is so busy that she forgets about the relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's saying, Martha, you're so busy doing these things, you're missing the point. I didn't come to bring a religion, I came to build a relationship. But if you're so busy, I can't build a relationship with you. When here I am in your midst, hope in your home, you're missing it. But Mary has found it. And she chose the good part, the one thing that is necessary. And Mary has chosen it. And it will not depart from her. It's not going to be away from her. In other words, when you invite Jesus into your home, hope shows up. Because Jesus is hope. And so he's saying to Mary, you you found it. She's sitting at his feet, listening to his words. Because she understands hope. She understood that there is more to hope than the word or a feeling. Mary gravitated toward Jesus because he gave her hope. Mary constantly heard the negatives of why the waste as she anointed Jesus. You could have have used this expensive perfume and, and sold it and then used the money for the poor. It could have been used for the kingdom of God. It could have been used for the work, the mighty work of God. And you can almost feel like Mary is feeling maybe defeated. Like, oh, did I do the right thing? Or maybe she felt Oh, that's one of Jesus' disciples, so he should know what he's talking about. And maybe she felt guilty. We don't know what she felt. All we know is what Jesus said. He says, let her alone. She's doing this to prepare me for my burial. Let it, let it go, Judas, because you always have the poor among you. But she's doing this to prepare me because she understands hope. She understands that I'm bringing hope to this world. And it's out of a relationship. Mary constantly heard some negatives. Or even her own sister. Tell her to help me. Like, tell her to help me. And, and I'm wondering, now let's just think if you were there with your brother or sister. And if they said, tell her or tell him to help me. It almost, 
implies you're lazy. Because as siblings, we can say certain key phrases, and it gets to us like no one else can get to us. Other people can say the same thing. But if our siblings say, oh, there's a history attached to that, they can say things like, oh, nice your house. And it already affects you. Like, what, what are you saying? You're saying, you saying I'm spending my money unwisely? You're, say, you're saying that I'm better than you? I'm not acting like I'm better. No, I'm just saying, nice your house. Nice your new rug. Oh, I, you say nice my new rug because I owe you $20 and I, I should have paid you back before even buying the new rug? You see how much can be read into it? Now, this is Mary and Martha. These are sisters. It's not just a tagline that says, oh, tell her to help me. But Mary is so more, she's so much more concerned with the hope that Jesus brings than the negatives that come her way. Because Mary wants hope in her home. She wants that. Every single person wants hope in their home. And Mary knew where hope was found. She experienced it firsthand. She saw Jesus raise her brother from the grave. She knew he was hope. And that changes you. It, it brings a difference in your life and your family. One of the things that I do before I go to my house, before I go home, is I do this, it's kind of like a, uh, I guess it's a, I guess you call it a ritual. And not a spooky kind of thing like that. It, let me explain it first before you're like, I'm out of this church, this guy doing rituals. Uh, I do something called changing my hats. So as I'm going home, I change hats. I take off my leadership hat, my pastor hat. I take off my, my uh, instruction hat. I, I take off all these hats. And then what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm not bringing that home. I'm not going to take home the grumbling hat that I just got into a, a, an argument with someone. I'm not going to take home the, the stress hat that just happened at work. I'm not going to take home the frustration hat that just took place on the road while someone cut me off. I'm not going to take that home. I'm taking off all of these hats taking a deep breath, and I'm putting on my daddy hat. I'm putting on my husband hat. I'm putting on a friend hat. So by the time I enter the property of my house and my home, all of that stuff is not welcomed there. But the Spirit of God is welcomed there. So I, I say to the Lord, Lord, everything that has been bothering me today, I leave outside the property of my home. That spirit is not welcomed here, but your spirit is. Lord, give me the spirit of joy. Give me the spirit of strength, spirit of patience. Give me the spirit of love. So when I enter my home, when my children come up to me, my grandchildren come up to me, my wife comes up to me, I'm giving them your spirit and I'm bringing hope to the home because it's your hope. Otherwise, we'll bring in all kinds of junk. We'll come home from work, throw our things down, and, and someone will say, what's the matter? What's the matter? Oh, my goodness. So-and-so at work. You know what they did? Every single day. Every time they do this. Or, oh, my goodness. You know that guy that lived down the street? Every time. Every time I pass his house, he just eye me out. Every time. Oh, I cannot stand it anymore. And once we do that, once we come into the house like that, then the spirit is there. And so we're bringing hopelessness to our home. And God says, you don't want to do that. You want to bring hope to the home. That's what he came to do. So this is what we do. Number two, speak. Speak about hope in your home. That's what Jesus was saying to Mary. He was, he was saying hopeful things. That's why Martha said, Jesus, tell her to come and help me. He's like, you're missing it. Right now you're frustrated, Martha, and you're bringing that spirit in the home, but Mary has chosen the good part. She's listening to my words. Do you know how powerful your words are? I'm, I'm sure you do. That's why we use them. Do you know how powerful this is? <sighs> I guess you do. <laughs> it's very powerful. I don't even know how you spell that, but it's a word. It's a sentence. It's a phrase. It's history. I mean, it's, it, it means a lot. Or this one. It's, a, I mean, it's, it's a, Because it's, it's not necessarily the words. It's a spirit behind the words. Isn't it true? You could say the same thing, but the spirit behind it changes the entire environment. 
or whatever. Oh, that's, that, woo-hoo. That, that one word, oh man, things go flying in the house. But we want that, we want to speak the right words, we want to bring that right spirit. And sometimes we speak of hopelessness without even recognizing it. We speak about what isn't happening rather than what God is doing. We look at our home and we say, oh, I wish we had this. Wouldn't it be better if we had bigger? Wouldn't it be better if we could expand? Wouldn't it be better if we could? Wouldn't it be better if we just moved out? Oh, I cannot stand your parents. We should just move out already. It's like, but we can't afford it. Well, I can't afford dealing with this. But you've been there for 10 years. And it almost feels like, well, what, what are we going to do then? You're trying to figure things out. Instead of looking at what you don't have, why don't we start looking at what we actually have? Because that will change our perspective. Speak more about hope in the home. Speak about hope. You may have 50 things that are hopeless, but you have one thing that is hopeful. And it's the Lord himself. That he says, I will be with you even in the 50 hopelessness that you can list. And my one hope, which is myself, will be able to cover all of that which you cannot handle. But you got to speak of hope often, of the good things that are happening. Some of us prepare for hopelessness on the way home. And then by the time we get home, we speak of that. Ephesians 4.29, it instructs us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Did you know that our children hear our words? They're, they're listening. Even though they're in another room, even though they're busy doing something else, maybe working on their homework or whatever it is, even if they're two years old taking a nap, they hear every word that comes out of our mouth. And so we think they're not listening, but they're listening. And sometimes we'll say certain words, and then our children will repeat it in the presence of other people. And then they'll, and then they'll whoa. Did your child just say, I think they did. It's like, where did you learn to say that? You, mommy. You, daddy. Papa, you said that. No, Papa didn't say that. It's like, you, but they do. They, they catch it. Children don't learn words by themselves. Babies are actually born multilingual. They can learn any language, and they'll learn the language that they're around the most. So, they only say what they learn. So we got to be careful how we speak because we don't want to bring hopelessness to our home. We want to speak hope in our home. So speak good in your home, not evil, especially if you're talking about someone that's not in your household and is going to come by later. Okay, honey, you know, so-and-so, I invited them over so uh, they can talk, 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 talk. And, oh, his wife, she's, oh, my goodness, she's so evil, you know. Because then when they come over, and say, oh, daddy, is that the evil lady you're talking about? It's like, oh, no, 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 we're talking about the movie, son. We're talking about that, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West, not this lady. You're stuck. What are you going to do? So, and it's not just for performance sake. It's really so that you can develop hope for the home. And so that as we're speaking well, even speaking well of people, that when they come over, daddy, is that the lady you're talking about? Is that, is that the auntie you're talking about? That they're so friendly and kind, that that's the one you love, and that they're so, they're so good to us. Is that the one? Yes, that's the one I've been talking about. Please say more. <laughs> There's a spirit there. And the spirit is hope. Because we don't know what other people are going through, especially what our children are going through as they grow up. So we want to talk good in the home, especially when it comes to the Lord. That we're going to speak positive, not negative. That we're going to speak hope in our home, not hopelessness. And sometimes even when we're talking about, you know, the bills and, and, and things like that and we don't have money. And, 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 and it can almost seem like for the children that everything is falling apart. Now, again, it's not performing in front of your children so that they're blind to the things that, you know, oh, we're in debt and, oh, we may lose the house. Oh, we don't have gas for the car. It's not a facade, but it's really to bring hope to the home. Instead of saying, you know, we don't want money, so why are you kids not go work on a job? And, and why don't you chip in half of the time? Well, we could say it like that because, you know, sometimes some children need to hear that. But we can do it in a more hopeful way. 
that together as family, let's come together, let's pray, let's ask the Lord for direction. And who knows, maybe, maybe he's going to provide for us through one of us getting another job. Maybe he's going to provide for us in a different kind of way. But we're asking him for hope for all of us. You're trying to accomplish the same thing, but you're bringing hope rather than hopelessness. And it's really the words that we speak. Because if we don't bring hope to our home, then your home becomes hopeless. We've got to bring hope to our home. It doesn't just happen. You've got to bring it in. You've got to welcome it. You have to speak of it. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now let's pause there, because it almost can sound like our homes. That our homes are formless and empty, and darkness covered our entire home. That you're coming home to a dark place And it feels dark. But then the Spirit of God is hovering over the surface. And then God said, let there be light. But what happened after that? The Bible says, and there was light. Did you know the spoken word of God brings light into darkness? It brings light just like that. It's the spoken word of God. It's his word. So when something is dark in the home, let's just say there's just anger there bring in the word of god pray together find scriptures that have to do with peace in the home that jesus is the prince of peace and it's a simple prayer grab the family together and say we're going to pray for peace lord we just ask for your peace in this family we ask for your peace in our hearts and in our home in jesus name amen 15 20 seconds it doesn't it you don't need an elongated prayer a, a prayer that goes on for hours and hours and hours Because it's not the prayer itself, it's who you're praying to that makes the difference. We can say nice prayers and not want Jesus in our home. We can do nice things and not welcome Jesus in our home and we'll still have no hope. But if we say, Lord, you're welcomed here. We're going to speak of you often. We're going to talk of you often. And we're going to say, let there be light in our home. And there will be light. If we don't speak of hope in our home, there won't be because it doesn't happen by itself. Psalm 119 verse 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. That's why it's so important to read the word of God. I can't stress that enough, to read the word of God. Why is it so hard to read the word of God? I got to ask myself that question. Easy to read an article, easy to read Facebook, easy to watch the news, easy to read a good book the best book ever written 69 books all put together for you and i 66 books 39 off yeah gotta get my numbers correct there's a lot of books in this bible it's really really good (laughs) and when you say the word of god in your home i guarantee you there will be a change When you recite scripture, when you memorize scripture and you say these words, it changes the atmosphere. It brings light to your home. So if you ever feel like there's darkness, bring in the word of God. Let there be light. In the book of Romans 15, chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. All of the scriptures put together, yes, 66 books, over 40 authors, written for you and I that we may find hope. There is not a single person in this Bible that you will read of that you cannot relate to. You may think, no, I'm going through this and and there's no one in the Bible that, that I could relate to. No, there is someone here. It's been written for you and I that we may find hope. It's the word of God. It's for our learning. So that we could have hope. Let God turn your hopeless house into a hopeful home. Speak his word. Speak of hope in your home. The last thing, and this is a process, is to work toward hope in your home. It's kind of like a goal. This is the process. We want to work towards hope in the home. We don't want to work toward hopelessness. We want to work toward hope in the home. We work towards it. 
Because it does. It requires work. It requires work on our part. It requires our part of saying, God, I want your spirit in my home. It requires us to take time aside. It requires our heart to be connected to his so that hope can be in our home. You figure, and you think about it this way, the more crazy and chaotic the world becomes, the more hope for the home God wants to bring. I mean, I can't even fathom what people go through in this world without hope, without Jesus Christ. Think of it. We as believers go through difficult times, and we have the Lord. We know God. We can pray to Him. Not everybody knows God. Not everyone knows that they can come to God. Some people think they got to be good first. Some people think it's a religion. Some people think God hates them. Some people think God doesn't exist. So there is no hope for those who don't know Jesus Christ. They have a fictitious hope, a hope that is, is not even existent. It's a hope based on circumstances, a hope based on if things go well. If the economy is good, hopeful. Economy bad, hopeless. No wars happening, peace in the world, hopeful. Wars happening, hopeless. It's all based on what happens in the world. But we have a hope that is alive that never fails. It's a hope that is never ending and a hope that never dies nor goes away. With all the options we have in life, it takes work to make decisions toward the final goal of having hope in our home. I mean, we have so many options now with feeling hopeful. We, we have many options of if this works, then, oh, it feels so much better. If, if this pans out, then, oh, it'll be better for our family. If this works out, if we did this, then oh, it'll be so much better for our marriage. And, and it can help. But it's not the hope we're looking for if it's not Jesus Christ. I, I love going to restaurants. And before I didn't, when, you know when they would ask you different options? Like when you would ask, uh, okay, I'll take, the, I'll take the chicken stick plate. And they would ask, uh, do you want uh, rice or mashed potatoes or brown rice? Uh, I'll, take, I'll take white rice. And then your spouse would say, oh, no, you're trying to eat healthy. Oh, I'll take brown rice. Uh, okay, uh, do you want mac salad or toss salad? Uh, I guess toss. <laughs> I'll go with toss. What kind of dressing do you want? Do you want French, Italian, Thousand Island? Do you want uh, uh, some kind of vinaigrette? And now you, you have more options to think of. So it, it would be pretty frustrating because you have all these options. But now, you know how I think of it? I think of it like a game show. <laughs> and try this. It's so good. Like put a timer in your head and you're saying, okay, go. Mac or salad? Salad. White or brown? Brown. You want gravy? No gravy. No gravy. Iced tea? Hot tea. Hot tea. Ding! Made it. 30 seconds. I win. <laughs> it, it changes it because we do. We have so many options. Now, when it comes to hope in the home, you're going to have many options to choose from to bring hope. But you're going to have to pause and almost seem like, okay, yes, I need to make that decision. Okay. Oh, yes, I need to work there. Yes. Yes, we have to take care of the bills. Yes. Yes, we have to go on a budget. Yep. Okay, we have to bring more structure to our family. Yes, we need to communicate more. Okay, got it. Bing. Jesus, we need you. We need you in our home. We definitely need you. Yes, we're going to do all these things because we're going to work towards hope in the home. We're going to do whatever we need to do to bring hope into our home. And Jesus, it's you. We need you in our home. And not to the point where now everything's good. Okay, Jesus, we don't need you anymore. Thank you. I'll come to church because I need you, Jesus. I need you. And everything's running smooth. Marriage is better. Family doing well. Finances are good. Okay, I'll come back to church next year when things fall apart. That's the cycle we go in. It's like the Lord is saying, it's not about church. It's about my spirit in your life. You come to church because you are the church body. We gather together in the name of the Lord, not to get stuff from the Lord. We gather together because we belong to him. And he says, don't give up the habit of gathering together. Why? Because we are a hopeful people. We're hopeful. Sometimes we'll come to church and we'll see so-and-so. And we're like, well, how come they come to my church? I don't think them come to my church. Or you see someone else, oh, I'm glad they're in church. Or, huh? They go church. <laughs> we, like, we, we missed what church is all about. Church is for him. It's for Jesus. We gather for him. But here's the good news. We receive hope from him. 
as we gather for him. Worship him. Gather together to strengthen each other. That's what the church is for, is to strengthen each other. And that's why we worship him. Because it's in the worshiping that we find our strength and hope in him. It's going to be Jesus Christ. Work toward that hope in the home. You know, there's this one instance, uh, one incident that Jesus healed this demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man changed. His whole life changed. Jesus came, set him free. And now he's, he's free from all of these demonic attacks. And the people are saying, well, something's different about this person. He used to be like this, and now he's different. And this man had many options that had now opened up to him. He could have done anything because he was only known for being a demon-possessed man. So all of his options opened up. And he wanted to go where Jesus was going. But what is interesting is what Jesus said to him. Jesus spoke to him in this way in Mark chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said to him, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Do you know that Jesus will often tell us no? That we may say, oh, I want to do great things for you. I want to do this. I want to, I want to expand this. I want to do this ministry. I want to do that. I want to do great things for you. And he might say no. But what I want you to do is I want you to go home and do that in your family. You want to do great things for me, start in your family. Go home to your family. That's where I want you to be. But I got to work. I got to do all these things. I'm doing all of these things for my family. He's saying, you know what? At the end of the day, when your children grow up, they could care less how much money you had. But they will care how much time you spent with them. Go home to your family. Man, I'm so busy at work. I'm, I'm so, I, I can't, I can't do all these things. Ask Jesus for hope. Ask him for direction. Sit down with your family. Talk things over. Work towards hope in your home. Our children grow up quickly. And if we don't make a change somewhere, then something will change us. And it may not be for your benefit nor your family. But when we work towards hope in the home, then we can work this together. We may not have all the fancy things that we always wanted or or get the things that we needed so that we can feel secure. But then when we have hope in our home, really that's the... That's what we were wanting anyway. Everyone wants hope in their home. There may be some things that Jesus would say no to you because he wants you to just be with your family and tell them everything that he has done for you. And it's not like you have to sit them down and lecture them, but he might just say, just share with them what you're saying no to. Because every time we're working toward a goal and saying no to something, maybe we're saying no to an addiction or maybe we're saying no to an unhealthy friendship, whatever it is. Or, or maybe we're saying no to, to all the clutter in our home and we're saying, okay, we gotta, we got to declutter our home. When you're saying no, that I'm not going to live like this anymore, that's not the final goal. It shouldn't be the final goal. The final goal should be, I'm saying no to these things for the greater purpose of these things. Because now here's the goal. Hope in the home. Whatever it would be. I'm putting these things on the side. My own selfishness. Whatever it is. No to spending. We've got to go on a budget because the final result is bringing hope to our home. Or maybe the misuse of time. Because it takes work to move toward the goal of bringing hope to your home. And when you say no to something... Use the sentence, I am saying no to this for the purpose of. And it helps with motivation, making a decision, and bringing hope to the home. It's like you're, you're just setting things aside so that Jesus can do a greater work. So that we're not so bombarded by everything else that's pulling us down. But now Jesus says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Take on my burden, my yoke. For I'm gentle, light, lowly in heart. Learn from me. And he brings hope to our home. Create pockets of peace. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll just have to sit down for dinner. No electronics, no TV, nothing. You just sit down for dinner at a table. I mean, if you do that already, great. But if you're not, I would suggest trying that. It may seem old-fashioned, but old-fashioned works. Because when all the electronic gadgets go out and someone is with a pen and pad... 
they're smiling at you. Why do you know more, Peppa? And they're writing down their things. Old-fashioned works. So it is with the dinner table. Sit down at the dinner table and do this thing called talk. Talk. Just talk. What are we going to talk about? That's the point. It doesn't matter. You talk. You build relationship. Do you know how much hope you bring to your children when you're not on your electronics and you sit with them and talk and look at them in the eyes or just color with them? Just take a coloring book. Coloring books are these books that are black and white and they have these just black outlines. And you buy these things called crayons. It's like wax, colored wax. And, and yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Some of you are like, eh? I'm going to get one of those. Very simple, but you sit and you talk. Imagine that, that we would have to come to a day and age that we would have to talk about sitting down with our family members to talk. Sit down with our children to listen and hear what they're saying. Listen to what they're going through without trying to correct everything they're doing wrong. But to listen and say, how was school today? Oh, it was good. What was good about school today? Oh, class. What class was good? Math. Why do you like math so much? How come you're asking me all these questions? What do you like from me? It's like, no, I'm just, I just want to talk. You might have to break that, you know, that first initial talk. But you're, you're sitting with them and you're talking. Create pockets of peace. Peaceful moments. Turn off the TV. Turn off all the gadgets. Make a time. And now, I don't know if your children are going to agree with this. Maybe right now they're like, oh, thanks, that pastor. I cannot play now. I can't play my games. <laughs> You'll enjoy it later. In fact, when you have children, you're going you're to be thankful that your parents did this. Develop habits of hope and create that for your family. Because when you don't take authority over hopelessness in your home, hopelessness will take authority over your home. You got to take authority. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, it says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Now listen to this. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So the Bible is saying look forward to what you may not have yet, but in doing so, you must wait patiently and confidently because your hope is in the Lord. You're working toward that. Jeremiah 31, 17 says, There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children will come again to their own land. You know what the Bible is saying? Hope can even be passed down to your children, that they're going to have a promise given to them, that they're going to be able to come back to their own homeland. In other words, they will always be welcomed where the Spirit of God is. They will always be welcomed where you are. Jesus wants to make your heart his home. Because when your home is your heart where Jesus lives, or his home is your heart, then no matter where you go, you bring hope with you because Jesus is hope. And when you're in your home and Jesus is in your heart and that's his home, hope is in your home. We all want hope. We all want hope in our home. And Jesus offers that. And I pray that today we would say to him, you are welcomed in our home. You're welcomed in my heart. And we're going to work towards hope in our home if you're at a place where you're saying, we definitely need hope in our home. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we're, we're so grateful for the hope that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. And so I pray for every single person here today that we would always remember to make you the center of our home, that you're the hope of the world, that you have brought us to a place of having this hope. And so, Lord, 
Thank you for bringing hope to our home. It's found in you. I pray that as we continue on with the year, that as believers, we would, we would spread this hope to the world. They would let other people know that there is a hope that you can't grasp in this world. It's going to take an act of faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I also pray for those that maybe this is their first time hearing about this hope. Maybe they're searching. Maybe they're looking. But the hope is found in you. And if you're here today and you're saying, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never, I've never put my hope in him or received his hope. If you're saying, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want that hope in my life. I've never said yes to him. Would you just lift a hand today and I'll, I'll pray with you. And all you're saying is, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. And I, I want your spirit to be in my heart. I want my heart to be your home. Could you just do that by signifying a raising of the hand and you're saying, Jesus, I want that. Yeah, God sees your hand. Yeah, right there. God sees you too. Right here, right back there. That's the hope. It's Jesus Christ. God sees you. Yeah, God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I think that's all of us. But especially for those that are receiving you as their Lord and Savior, as their personal Lord and Savior today. As we pray this prayer together, may that commitment just echo in our hearts. So would you pray this prayer after me, especially for those who are saying this prayer for the very first time in giving Jesus your heart. Let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and giving me hope. I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray your blessing over each person, especially those that said yes to you today, that we would live in this world that may seem hopeless, but because we have you, we bring hope into this world, starting with bringing hope to our home and that comes from your spirit. Thank you again for being the hope of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we just congratulate those that said yes to Jesus this morning?